This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. I'm on the tail end of, of single dadding for uh, this is day five. Day six is tomorrow. Stephanie comes home tomorrow afternoon. Praise to the Lord. Um, it is not easy. I have so much respect for single parents. So much respect. Um, I don't know how they work and parent and try to have a life. I don't know. Like, it's, it's impressive. So I just have a lot of respect for, for single parents. Um, but hopefully, yeah, she gets back tomorrow. Uh, so Psalm 23 is where we're going to be. So if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and, and turn to Psalm 23. Uh, if you don't and you want to grab one, there's some paper copies back there. I'm sure Mark would be willing to grab it for you and, and bring it your way. Um, but yeah, Psalm chapter 23 is, is where we're going to be. As we get started, I just want to continue to ask a question we've asked periodically along the way, uh, and that's who's your one? Um, and, and that question just means who's one person that God has put in your life that you are committing to build a real relationship with? and to invite into your life, and then also to trust Jesus and to be a part of this church with us. So we believe that God has sovereignly placed each and every one of us. Acts 17 says he determines the boundaries and the time periods with which we live. None of us bargained for 20th century, 20, what century are we in, 21st century? Um, none of us bargained for that with God before we were created. Uh, no one bargained for like, hey, I would like to be um, born in the United States. Hey, maybe I can be in Austin at this point. N- none of us did. That's God's sovereign placement. Um, and there are people in your life that, that I'll never know. And there's people in my life that you'll never know. And God has placed me near those people and you near those people for a reason. For a reason. And so who's your one? Who is at least one person that you'll commit to investing in, inviting into your life, and also to know Jesus and to be a part of of this church with you. Um, And so just be thinking about that and take steps towards that. Don't just have a name and then never do anything with that, but have someone that you're actually going to take steps towards in that investment. Um, We're starting tonight and through the summer just going through different psalms. And and the the title of the series is The Lord Is dot, dot, dot. And so we just want to look at different psalms on who the Lord is and his character and what is unchanging about him. Man, life is going to change. Um, one thing that, that if you haven't realized already, things change. We change as people. Circumstances force different you know, personalities out of us and bring changes. Um, the world around us changes. Culture changes, right? Like there's things happening today that 20 years ago we, we would have never thought would happen. Uh, we were talking just the other night. We were getting snow cones. We were like, hey, remember like before the internet and dial up and stuff? Like that, that world that the, where the internet didn't exist, and then, I, then there's the internet, and then there's like, hey, you can have the internet anywhere and everywhere all the time. Like, hey, you want it on your wrist? Boom, got a watch with the internet on it. Like, it's everywhere. And, and so things, things change, and that can be good, and that can also be really, really hard. When things change for the worse, when, when a relationship didn't go the way that you thought it would go, or life and, and, and the physical um, I guess your body didn't hold up to life the way that you thought it would, or a job changed, or just even your own kind of mental um, stability changed. And things, things change, and that's hard. But what never changes is who the Lord is. He is steady, and He is constant. And if we're going to find security in our life, it has to be in the unchanging God of this world. 
if we're going to find stability and safety and something that we can anchor our lives into that is not going to give way and is not going to change with the changing of the culture or with personalities, we have to know who the Lord is and anchor our lives to Him. Because He's unchanging. The Psalms, you see David, I, gosh, I'm so grateful for David because that guy is a roller coaster. I mean, literally one Psalm, he's like, God, where are you? And the next Psalm, he's like, oh my gosh, you're so close to me. I'm like, what's going on with this guy? It makes me feel really normal with my own emotional instabilities. Um, but he's all over the place. And, and what we see, though, is that in the Psalms, we see the steadiness and the constantness of who God is. And so that's why we just wanted to spend some time over the summer looking at different Psalms. Tonight, we're going to start in Psalm 23. Um, and so I just want to pray uh, again as Rosie prayed and just ask that we will hear from the voice of the Lord. We'll hear his words, not any other, any other voice, any other words, but his. And so God, we do ask that. We do ask. I, I, I ask that, that it would not be my words or my voice that is heard, but it would be your words and your voice. That, um, that the only voice we need is yours. That's it. And so speak to us, God. Holy Spirit, open our ears to hear. Fast? No? Let's try again. Hold on. If it doesn't work, I'll narrate. Who thinks more is better than less? Hmm. Okay, why? More is better than less because if stuff is not less, if there's more less stuff, Anybody else, any ideas? You might, you might want to have some more. Hit it again. You because there's only a oh, there we go. There we go. Right. We want more. Who thinks more is better than less? Okay, why? More is better than less because if stuff is not less, if there's more less stuff, then you might you might want to have some more, and your parents just don't let you because there's only a little bit. Right. We want more. We want more. Like you really like it. You right. want more. I follow you. It's not complicated. More is better. Who thinks more is better Perfect. than less? Perfect. Run it back. I, I feel like that commercial nailed it, right? Like the, the even retail world of our, of our culture gets it that as a people, we want more. Like there's, there, there's just, we just desire more and we crave more and we, we're not satisfied. There's an unrest in our souls. I guarantee you, everybody walked in here right now that, oh, I don't want to say everybody, I don't want to guarantee this. Maybe you're at a spot where you're like, I am perfectly content. Like there is nothing, absolutely nothing that I would take more of. Um, I would bet that's like the rare occasion, and if that's you, it's going to change at some point because things change. But I'm betting if we were to write down, I would like more and fill that in, I would bet we all have something we would like more of, right? Whether it's peace of mind, or I would like more income, or I would like more friends, or I would like um, more stability, or I would like, I, I, I would be willing to bet that right now there's something that for all of us, we feel, yeah, I could, it's kind of lacking, and I could use some more of this. I, I would like a change in circumstances. I would like for something to look different, something to be better, something to, to change. Right? It, it, little, little head, maybe, yes, no, am I the, okay, perfect. So there is some people, good. So here's our problem. Not that that's the, the reality, but our problem as people is that we oftentimes look for the answer to whatever that is in the wrong places, right? So we, we're chasing after the wrong 
things. So whether it's uh, we want a relationship, and so we're looking for people to fill that, that relational void in our lives, a, a spouse or a, a kids or just friends or something, right? Because we want, we want more of a relationship or we want more comfort. And so we're looking for more things in our life or we're looking for more peace of mind in our life or we're looking for less stress in our life or we want usefulness, like we want to be productive, we want people to see us as valuable and to, that, you know, we contribute, we pull our weight, or we want pleasure. If, if we can just have more fun, if we can feel better, if we can have all of these things that the, the world seems to look at and say, this is what you're chasing after, that we chase after all the wrong things. And, and the problem is, so many of the things we chase after are, are broken cisterns. We're, we're trying to pour water into it and to have more, and it's just leaking out the bottom. And it never actually fills. And so we, we get a relationship, and then it's like, oh, yeah, that wasn't as good as I thought. We, we get that new car, and then what, it's a few months later, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, it's, it's not so much new anymore, right? We get that new dream job, and then we find out it wasn't actually so dreamy. We get to the greener grass to find out, well, it's kind of brown over here, too. Because we're chasing after things that ultimately cannot satisfy they're not, they're not designed for that. But here is our hope, is that there is a sure and certain and steadfast answer to the longings of our soul. So I want more. I would like this. I, this is lacking. There is an answer to all of that, a certain guaranteed answer. And it's found in Psalm 23. It's found in Psalm 23. David wrote this psalm, a man who knew the ups and downs. A man who knew depression, and he knew richness, and he knew brokenness, and he knew unrest, and he knew repercussions of sin. And in Psalm 22, 1, just the chapter before this, he's saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Right, so David understood this desire for more, and yet in verse 1 of Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack anything. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in need. And so this is the conclusion of Psalm 23. This is the conclusion of, of really everything, is that with the Lord as our shepherd, we lack nothing. With the Lord as our shepherd, we, we shall not be in want. We shall not be in need, the answer to everything that our soul is looking for, to the unrest that, that I feel in my heart, is Him. That with the Lord as my shepherd, I have the fullness of life. With the Lord as my shepherd, I am known, and I am cared for, and I am protected, and I am loved. That with the Lord as my shepherd, my soul can have pure peace and satisfaction. That with the Lord as my shepherd, I shall not want this is our hope. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else can carry that weight. Throughout the Bible, God uses the imagery of shepherding um, to really kind of communicate who he is and who we are. And so God is oftentimes portrayed as the shepherd, and the sheep are oftentimes metaphorically portrayed as humanity and as people. Um, and so to understand a little more where David is going with this, um, we, we need to know what, what sheep are. Sometimes um, sheep are, are, you know, protected with their shepherds. Sometimes they're wandering and they're lost and they're needing a shepherd. Sometimes the shepherd is pursuing them, right? So you, you see that um, throughout the Bible. 
But sheep as animals, um, they're needy. They can't take care of themselves. On their own, sheep cannot take care of themselves. They need someone else to lead them to food, to show them where to eat, to show them where to rest. Sheep are anxious. They're skittish. They're easily unsettled and flustered about when circumstances change around them, it throws them off. They can't handle change very well. Sheep are prone to wander. I mean, they are so distracted that if someone is not guiding them, they'll just kind of meander over there, and then all of a sudden they're by themselves, and they look around like, I don't know where I am anymore. So sheep are quick to wander. They're defenseless and weak. There's classifications of animals. There's the predators and the prey. Sheep are not in the predator category. Like you're not going to see them fighting off other animals and just like going to town. They're the prey. And so they're defenseless and weak. And so the point of God using this metaphor is to say that on their own, sheep won't make it. They'll wander off and they'll get lost on their own, they, they'll be anxious. They won't find the food that they need. They'll ultimately, ultimately be overcome and destroyed by something greater than them. But if sheep have a shepherd, a good, loving, caring shepherd, then they can be led to a place where they will thrive in abundance. And so the message of the Bible is this. On our own, we are like sheep and we have all gone astray. We've all walked away from our shepherd and wandered off, and every one of us, I guarantee, has looked up at one point and thought, I don't have a clue where I am right now. How did I get myself into this mess? What is going on in life? But the hope of the Bible is that we have a shepherd who pursues us and loves us and desires to walk with us into life in abundance. On our own, we'll be attacked. On our own, we'll be anxious. But with our shepherd, we can be comforted and protected. This is the message of the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, it's important to know with the Lord is my shepherd that he's not everybody's shepherd. He's not everybody's shepherd. He is the shepherd of those who by faith hear his voice and follow him. And so what David speaks of here is true for those who have trusted in Christ and have followed him, that that those are the sheep and that the Lord is the shepherd of. And so we have to know that if you're sitting here and you're wondering, like, I I don't feel this from God, but you've never trusted Christ, the Bible would say you're not his sheep and he invites you in. But if you are a Christian, if you have trusted Christ and the Lord is your shepherd, I shall not want, that is offered to us. That is offered to us. And so we we see, and I'm going to try to move kind of quickly through it, but we see five things that a shepherd is. That this is who the Lord is. It's unchanging. We can count on it. We can bank on it. And it is how God interacts with us as his people. Five things that we see the shepherd is. The first thing is that the shepherd, he knows his sheep. A shepherd knew his sheep individually and personally. He knew every single one. So when one would wander off, he knew which one had wandered off. He knew that Larry had taken off down the path again. He had to go get Larry because Larry just wanders all the time, right? He knew that Sue just, for whatever reason, would only eat this certain type of grass. And so he'd make sure, right? The shepherd knew each and every one of his sheep. He knew the intricacies and the details and the personalities and their dispositions. The shepherd knows each sheep personally. David, he understood that as the Lord, as his shepherd, the Lord knew who he was. 
I mean, look at the personal pronouns here. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths. Later, he says, you prepare a table. You anoint my head with oil. He would write in Psalm 139, David would say, O Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. David knew that the Lord he understood that the Lord was his shepherd. That meant that the Lord knew him intimately and personally. I think one of the greatest desires of humanity is to be known, to be truly seen and known through and through. No, no hiding, no masks, everything's on the table and still accepted and wanted. Right? Like we want to have that freedom of, okay, everything's out there and this person still loves me. Everything's out there and this person still cares for me. They know everything and they still pursue me. That is a huge, deep desire of humanity. And with the Lord as our shepherd, he knows you. He's intricately formed you. He knows everything. Nothing is hidden from the Lord. He knows our thoughts. He knows our words. He knows our actions. And still he pursues us in love. Can you think about that? If, if, if y'all knew everything that I had ever thought or said or done, I guarantee you, right? You'd be like, I don't know about this guy. And it would go both ways, let's be honest. And yet the Lord knows everything and still pursues us in love. He knows you. He knows what struggles you have. He knows what fears and insecurities you have. He knows your hurts. He knows what makes you happy. He knows you. As I was writing the sermon, I just felt the Lord say that there's someone here, and, and maybe it's me, but there's someone that needs to hear this, that the Lord knows you. He's not forgotten you. He knows your desires and your longings. He sees you because he's a shepherd. That's what shepherds do. So the Lord knows his sheep. Second thing, a shepherd leads his sheep toward what is good. The shepherd's ultimate goal was the good of his sheep. Right? Like that, that's the job description, right? Is to take care of these sheep. So the, the ultimate goal of a shepherd to do the job well is to take care of the sheep, to lead them to what is good, to what is best. And so you see even, like, right, where, where that he's being led to, to green pastures and still waters down paths of righteousness, is that he's leading the sheep towards what is good. I think that is crucially important for us to know. It's absolutely, it was critical for David to know. Because sometimes we're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes the, the shadows in life are going to so overcome that we're not going to see light and we're not going to know how to get out on the other side. And it's going to feel like death and the enemy is absolutely surrounding us. And we're going to think, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But what we have to know of a shepherd is that the shepherd is always leading the sheep to what is best. Is always leading the sheep to what is good. Always. 
even through the valley of the shadow of death. Even through the storm where the clouds surround and you think, this is it. There's no coming out from this one. Is that the shepherd, he knows and he's leading you to what is good. That's why David could say in Psalm 56, while in enemy captivity, he writes, he says that the Lord keeps track of my tears in a bottle, like I'm crying so much and I'm so broken. But then he says this one line, this I know that God is for me. That in the midst of captivity and suffering, he had this confidence beneath it all that God is for me. That's why he writes in Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore because the Lord is leading us to life. And it doesn't always feel that way. I was like, how could David say, I shall not want? Like, surely he had wants in life. Right? Like, does that mean that he never has a desire or a longing for more? And that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that, the, that right now there's not once in your life, that right now you wouldn't like something else, right? It just means that right now the shepherd knows what is best for you and he knows what is the path towards good and he's leading you towards what is right. He's leading you on paths of righteousness to what is good, even when the circumstances don't make sense. And so when we desire more food and we desire more love and we desire peace and we desire security and we desire to have that house over there, we desire to have that family over there, and we have all these wants and longings in life and we're thinking, God, are you sure? What is going on? The confidence we have to have in our soul so that we don't give up and quit and throw in the towel is to know that our Lord is a shepherd and he is always leading us to what is good. Always. And so when the diagnosis doesn't make sense, when the tragedy happens and, and we're burying our children, wishing that we were being buried with them, we have to know that our shepherd is still good and he is leading us to what is best. And because if we lose sight of that certainty, life will take us out. We have to know he's a good shepherd. He knows what is best, and he's leading us there, even through the valley of the shadow of death. Third thing, a shepherd comforts his sheep. In the good times and the bad times, the shepherd is a comfort to his sheep. Sheep, sheep were emotional, um, anxious creatures. They're skittish. They need someone, a presence, a calming presence to tell them, hey, I got this. I'm bigger than the surroundings. I got this. And so the shepherd was that comforting presence to them. In Psalm 27, uh, David, he, he writes, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In Psalm 62, he says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. That God can carry the anxieties of our heart. That we can pour out our heart before him. And he is a safe place for us. David knew that, that, that the Lord was leading him to green pastures and to still waters, to a place of rest. Gosh, that, that, he restores my soul. Man, I have longed for that many days. And that is where the Lord is taking me. In his presence is the comfort I look for. In his presence is the comfort that I look for. Augustine, he said, you've created us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. 
that we are created to be near the Lord and our hearts are restless when we are not near Him. And the rest that we desire, the peace in our heart, the peace in our mind, regardless of the circumstances around us, regardless of the valley of the shadow of death, is to be in the presence of the Lord. Do you take time to just sit in His presence? Do you push through the distractions and the hurt and the insecurity just to sit at the feet of Jesus? I keep thinking about Mary and Martha over and over and over again. Where, where Jesus is coming in for the meal and Martha's running around and she's serving and she's preparing, she's cleaning and she's hustling and she's doing all these good things to serve Jesus, all good things, right? But then she comes up to Jesus and she's like, Jesus, Mary's not even helping me. What are you going to do about that? And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. The, the sentence that describes our culture You're anxious and troubled about many things. Look, Martha was doing good things. She was serving Jesus. She was being hospitable to Jesus. She was serving alongside him, but what she neglected was just sitting in front of him and just receiving the peace and the life that his presence offers. Mary wasn't anxious and troubled because she was just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so Jesus told Martha, You're anxious and troubled, Mary. She chose the right thing. The presence of our shepherd, the presence of our Lord, that is what we need. That is where rest and comfort comes in. That is what the shepherd provides is comfort. He brings you comfort. A shepherd cares for his sheep. A shepherd would feed and nourish the sheep would take care of the sheep, would, would, would physically and tangibly care for them and provide for them. He's leading them to green pastures. He's making them lie down even at times, right? He's forcing them to, to good things. He's leading them beside still water so they can be restored and built up. He cares for their sheep. David knew that as the Lord as shepherd that he was caring for him. He recalled how God provided manna from heaven for the Israelites to eat and water from a rock for the Israelites to drink. He knew that God had prepared this home for him and everything, the kingdom that he had, that God was the one that built that up and that God was the one that established it. And so David knew that the Lord was was caring for his needs and providing for him, but he also knew that the Lord was caring for his spiritual needs and providing for the needs of his soul. And so he writes in Psalm 19.10, more to be desired are they, talking about the word of God, the law of the Lord, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. You ever read the Bible sometimes and think like, man, these guys knew something at a different level than I do. Like, I can't tell you the last time I thought like, I just want the Bible more than anything else. That it's richer than the richest of golds and money. That it's more satisfying than the, the food out there. Anyone else ever thought that? Like, there's just re- not many times I thought, all I want to do is wake up and read the Bible. But I don't think that it's fabrication. I, I don't think that the, the, the God was like, hey, write this impossibility for the people to ever experience. I think it's more so me. That... that that I'm chasing to, to satisfy my, my life with other things, that I'm, I'm trying to fill my cares and my needs with other things, that I think there's something more important than just feasting on the Word of God and being in His presence. 
And so the Lord cares for his sheep. He's provided his food, the bread of life, for us to never be satisfied, to never, for us to always be satisfied. But how often are we trying to fill our, our lives with other things? Isaiah says, why do you eat bread that doesn't satisfy? Why do you spend your money on stuff that doesn't last? The Lord cares for our needs. John the Baptist, he'd say in John 3 that everything we have, we have that's been given to us from God. There's nothing that we have that hasn't been given to us from God. So he's going to care for our needs, right? The food that we eat, every bite we eat has been a gift from God. Everything we drink has been given to us from God. Every shirt we wear has been given to us from God, right? If you have a job, you didn't earn that job. Well, you did, but God gave you that job. He gave you the mental faculties to be able to, to maybe go to school and get a degree. He gave you the, the oral skills to have a, a, an interview and to get a job. Right? He, he gave you the connections to meet someone so that you can talk to that person so that you can get that job, right? Everything we have, we didn't, we didn't bargain for it. God gave it to us. He gifted it to us and entrusted it with us because the Lord is our shepherd and he cares for us and he provides for us. In Philippians, Paul tells the, the church in Philippi, my God will supply all of your needs. He's going to take care of us. Now, I realize sometimes that, that doesn't seem to make sense in our economics. We're looking at the bills and we're like, oh, okay, it says I owe that, but I only got that. That's not happening. How does that work? right? I, I need this, but I don't have it. So I know sometimes we look at that and we're like, God, I don't think you're providing for my needs. And that's where I'd say we have to go back to the Lord as a shepherd who leads us to what is good for whatever reason, wherever, whatever circumstance, it is because God has a good purpose and a good path he is leading us towards. He's going to provide for our needs in so much that it is best for us. So we can't just say, like, God's going to provide for my needs and, and forget that he's also leading us towards what is best because sometimes what is best doesn't look like what I think I need. Does that make sense? He will care for us and he will provide for us and he is leading us towards what is good. But he's already provided what we need spiritually. He's given us his word. He's given us his church. He's given us Christ. He's caring for our spiritual needs if we'll just sit and feast at his table. A shepherd protects his sheep. It's the fifth thing. A shepherd protects his sheep. Remember, sheep are not fighting animals. They are not going to defend themselves. A lion comes out of sheep, pretty good odds that lion's going to win, right? It's not going to go well for the sheep. So the sheep need someone there to protect. So that's why a shepherd has a rod and a staff. David knew this. A lion or a bear would come after a sheep. Man, David's going to town on that thing. He's turning that staff over and knocking that lion out. He says that he fought lions and bears off because that's what a shepherd does. They protect their sheep. They fight for their sheep. David knows that the Lord is doing that. When he went to battle against Goliath, he knew that the battle was the Lord's. He said so, that this is, this is the Lord's battle. In Psalm 59, it was a time where Saul was sending mercenaries to try and kill David. And they would surround, and they would surround, and they would look throughout the town over and over and over again, trying to kill David. And he writes in verse 16, but I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, oh God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. David knew that the Lord would protect him and fight for him and care for him. 
because the shepherd protects his sheep. We have to know is there's an enemy seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. Right here, right now, there is an enemy that wants to destroy us. But our Lord will fight for us and will protect us and will care for us. He is for us. He is for you. So often we think we have to defend ourselves, right? Someone, someone slanders you or, or speaks wrong of you or believes a lie about you, and so often we're like, i got to step in here, right? i got to defend my name. i got to make sure that this story is right. Someone comes in here and does, does you poorly, right? And we got to, no, i got to step up. i got to defend something. But God says, no, no, don't, Romans 12, don't revenge yourself. The Lord will revenge you. The Lord will defend your name. Rather, show love to your enemy. Anybody else just kind of want to erase that part from the Bible? There's people who don't. They just cut out parts they don't like. The Lord will defend us. And it may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. But one day, every knee will bow before the Lord, and he will defend our name. He will protect the name of his children. Because the Lord is our shepherd. He protects his sheep. That's what he does. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. He knows us personally. He leads us to what is good. He comforts our soul. He cares for our needs. He protects us from attack. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. Verses 5 and 6 seem like an odd transition a little bit. Because David's talking about the Lord as shepherd, and then he, he talks about kind of this, this table, this, this host. So I don't really know what was going on in the mind of, of David, like why that transition, but, but you can just kind of imagine, right, that as he's, he's thinking about the truth of the Lord, like you just think, like, oh my gosh, you're so good to me. You're so good to me that you would welcome me in, that you would give me a seat at the table, that you would make me your guest of honor because that's what the Lord does for us, is that he makes us the guest of honor at his table. And he anoints our head with oil. That's what they, that's what they would do for the guest of honor. Is they would come and they would anoint their head with this fragrance and oil because it, it sets them apart as the guest of honor and that the Lord, he does that for us. He welcomes us into his family, into his flock to be a part with him. And I can just imagine that, that this is an overflow of what David is saying, that you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. No matter what's going on around me, the Lord is welcoming us in and giving us a table with, a seat at the table with him, a place of belonging with him. He anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. I can just imagine I mean, I don't even know how to begin to try to imagine this. So I think God just steps in here and he pulls up a chair and he's like, come on, come sit with me, let's talk. Let's hang out. That God, he, he looks at all the people and he sees and he knows and he's like, hey, come sit down, let's eat. Let's break bread together. Because the Lord, he, he's our shepherd and he welcomes us in and he loves us. David concludes with, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
that goodness and mercy will follow me. It's going to pursue us, man. That's kind of what the Hebrew there means, that it's not just like, hey, kind of hanging around, but that goodness and mercy is pursuing you and me. Not because we deserve it, but because the Lord is a good shepherd. And he leaves the 99 to go after the one and pursue us with goodness and mercy. And because of who he is, we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So how does this connect to us today? All right, like this is beautiful poetry. It's probably been on coffee mugs for years. Like hand-stitched in your grandma's house, put up on the wall or something. I mean, you don't have to be a, like religious, and you've probably heard this psalm. So how, how is this real, that the Lord is my shepherd? How does this connect us? I don't know how to read Psalm 23 without also reading John 10. Where Jesus, also called Emmanuel, which means God with us, where he says, All, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How does this become real? Is that the Lord of Psalm 23 put on flesh and came and stepped on this earth and lived with us and dwelt among us? That Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, that he knows us, he created us, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And he's leading us to abundance that he says, hey, hey, follow me. Lay down your life and follow me, and in doing that, you'll actually find the life you've dreamt of. That he, he comforts us, that he suffers and he knows and he empathizes with us, that he's, he's endured temptation and he's endured what we've endured so that he can, he can sympathize with us. And that he cares for us and he took our greatest needs on his shoulders and the record of sin that we had for, against God that kept us apart from his presence, that kept us apart from life, that Jesus took that sin on himself on the cross. And the cross is spoken and in the cross our sins are forgiven. And then Jesus rose from the dead so that he can hand us the keys to life. That he can give us victory. And he can protect us from the attacks of the enemy today and for all of eternity. Jesus is how the Lord becomes our shepherd. Because by faith in him, we become his. And Psalm 23 is now not just applicable for David, but it's applicable for me. And it's applicable for you. Because the good shepherd has come to lead us and to invite us in. That's how we... That's how it becomes real, by faith and trust in Jesus. The second way that it becomes real is by being a part of a church. So, so God has called elders to lead and to be under shepherds of a local church. That My job description is to know 
this church and to lead this church to what is good and to comfort this church when they're hurting and to care for this church and the needs that are, that are within it and to protect this church from anything that is untrue. And so God invites us to know him as shepherd by being a part of a local church. And so we're going to miss out on understanding Psalm 23 if we're not committed in an active part of a local church by God's design. That one day I'm going to stand before the Lord and he's going to judge me as his under-shepherd over this church. And he's going to judge me on how I shepherded these people. And one day you're going to stand before the Lord and he's going to judge you as the sheep of this church and ask how you followed and how you were a part. Because this is also how we know the Lord as our shepherd is by being a part of a church. And so whether this is your church home or God has you somewhere else, we can know the Lord as our shepherd by being a part of a local church. The Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. I want to end with this thought. One of the phrases in here, in Psalm 23, he says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I don't want us to just blow past that phrase. Because there's so, many, there's so much in the Bible that is comforting and uplifting and encouraging that is showing us to life, that, that, that tells me how much God loves me, and that's important, right? Eric talked about that. That's important to know that God is intimate and personal, that he knows us, and he loves us, and he pursues us, and he's going to leave the 99 to come after the one, and he cares for us, right? But if we're, if we're not careful, we're going to start to think that the Bible in this world is about me, is about us and our happiness, and where we get in life. But we have to know that the Lord is the shepherd first and foremost for his namesake and for his glory. He is the Lord God Almighty, not us. It is not for our praise and our glory. It is for his namesake and for his glory. That is the proper order. If it was not for his glory, then everything would be out of order. There was one that tried to replace his glory. It didn't go so well for the devil. The Lord has to sit on the throne, and this has to be his story and for his glory. And we cannot forget that everything, and start to think that everything is about us and our happiness and how comfortable we are, and if we've arrived, it is about his glory and his name and his praise. It is his story that we are a part of and we are invited into. Who carries more worth, the shepherd or the sheep? Come on, we know that. That's not a trick question, the shepherd the Lord is the shepherd. This is his story. It is his song. And so he leads for his name's sake. But what is amazing about God is that he is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. That he is most praised and adored and worshiped when our hearts are most satisfied in praising and adoring and worshiping him. When we are most content and most joyful and most in love with him, that is when he is most glorified. And so he is for us, and he is for our good, and he is for our joy, and he is for our, our, our protection and our care, so that we will worship and praise him. He is not the means to our heavenly end. He is the end. Did you get that? He is not the means to get us to heaven. He is heaven. 
Heaven without God is not heaven. He is the means to himself, and that is where we are most satisfied. That is where we will not want. That is where we will not lack. And so we will be committed as a church, and my encouragement to you is to be committed as a person to devote your life to his glory, to humble yourself before the Lord, and in that find that he will exalt you and lift you up. Because this is for his name's sake and for his glory. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Praise be to the God who calls us by name welcomes us in, and is our shepherd. Let's pray. God, we praise you. And we admit, we admit that so often we go astray, and we wander, and we try to do our own thing, and we we think that we've got it figured out this time, and we think that that this time it's going to be different and, and we're going to be able to stand on our own, but, but God, we're needy. Oh my gosh, we're needy. I need you for faith. I need you for humility. I need you for strength. I need you to, to not just live every moment of every day for myself. We need you. And it's your incredible goodness and mercy towards us that compels us to, to trust you and to follow you and to worship you. And in that, we're going to find life. God, Open our eyes to see. God, move our hearts to repent and to surrender to you, God. That we would not live our lives for ourselves and thus miss out on life, but that we would live our lives for you and find the abundance of life in your presence with you, worshiping you. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.